Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 165, and this week we are joined by the newest member of the Uticast Two-Timers Club, the man, the myth, the legend, Derek Clark from the Broadway Theater League here to talk about their upcoming schedule, uh, about the Youth Ambassadors Program, all sorts of stuff. Love talking to my man, D. Clark. Also this week, uh, we are excited for... Handshake City's debut at the downtown get-down August 24th, 25th. Uh, we're also going to talk about some history lessons. We're going to uh, talk about companies just learning what we've known all along. It's good to share what you have. Uh, we're going to talk about flaking out. Uh, we're going to talk about the Pizza Museum. Uh, so much more. Uh, episode 165. Uh, 165. We are happy, as always, folks, to have you here. Oh, yes. anything else you wouldn't go play like baseball or soccer or basketball without like stretching first there's probably got to be some like verbal stretching that should be done i think if you're doing it every day i well it's different okay. we're not doing it every day we're I doing know. it once I said a week. if you were if, it's true it's true but all you're doing is talking yeah you're just talking. i don't prepare or performing performative talking talking oh, oh sorry is this all performance so you have everything the whole oh, world is a fake. performance all right, all right. everything in the world is a welcome back yeah folks. yeah yeah <laughs> Welcome back. We're back. It's the Uticast episode 165. Uh, I, again, am your host, producer Sam Pamuaro, joined as always by Heather Wise, Cap Sullivan. What's going on, guys? It's finally not hot out. It's finally sort of like nice. I'm I'm into it. I'm happy right now. I'm not sweating in there. It worked out really well because I went to a wedding that was outside on Saturday, and we got that thunderstorm on Friday, and it was good Mm -hmm. because it cut all the humidity way down, and we were talking about that when we were there because, you know, everybody's got suits on and everything. You'd just be out there sweating like an animal. Yeah. So luckily it wasn't too bad. So yeah, I'll I'll take the cooler weather as well. I have a beef. Do you want me to share my beef with you guys? Always. All right. Check it out. So uh, I have two beefs, actually. Uh, No, no, no. One. He said one. You said one. You can two. share one. <laughs> same kind of beef, though. Same same general thing. Number one, the uh, MV Best of the Best Observer Dispatch Awards came out this week, okay? Mm-hmm. So my number one beef is that I can't find the list anywhere online so we can't discuss it. I have to get the insert from the paper, yeah. which I forgot to do, and now I feel like it's too late to go get it because I didn't get it that day, right? Yeah. yeah so, now, get it? yeah. so now all that information is lost to the world, right? Now it's gone. <laughs> so I'm mad about that. I yeah. only know one winner off the top of my head. Who, Paulie? Paulie, yeah. The yeah. Uh, Gentleman's Corner Barbershop won Best Barbershop for a uh, second year in a row. And they were really happy and excited about that. And so mm-hmm. good for them. That's the only one I remember or no. Did you win anything? No. Best Mom. Best, best Mom. I couldn't yeah. believe it. I was, it was such an honor. <laughs> I'm so popular. Did you know you were? <laughs> I had no idea. I was even in the running. I wasn't there. You see my award. Uh, number one, I'm mad that there's no Best Podcast Award. You could, uh, you could put it in. I could have put it in, I suppose. In. I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. And number two, I'm glad we didn't win it. Or I'm mad we didn't win it. So I'm mad there's not a category and I'm mad we didn't win the category that doesn't exist. So I think it's fair that because we have the longest-running podcast that we just declare ourselves 2018 Mohawk Valley Best of the Best podcast. I think that's fair. Uh, I don't think you even need that. You're just, we're just the best. I mean... You don't need that. Spot the lie. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen any proof that we have not. We are not the best. 
uh, this week on the show. It's very lucky for you that that's that's a big win for us. It yeah. means the OD will call us soon, very yeah. soon, to sell us advertising. Oh, great, nice job. <laughs> I hope so. Great. I hope so. Uh, all right. So, a uh, couple things real quick. Derek Clark from the Broadway Theater League makes uh, returns a second time on the podcast as they get ready for the uh, the second half of their Broadway Theater League season, including the most uh, the most soon to come upcoming show on September twenty fifth. Hello, Dolly. Uh, which is really cool. He told me something. This is like the first time this has ever happened. This show was on Broadway, closed, and came right to the Stanley. Like, there's been no other touring in between. It's one of the first times ever they've had a show come directly from a Broadway presentation and come right to the Stanley. So that's really cool. That seems like it would be very cool. Yes, that's very cool. Uh, and he brought us some spam, which is why we have spam in the house as a as a. You know, I forgot that spam was there, but it's going to be good to eat since we're not allowed to have food in the house anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's a great point. We don't have a refrigerator in our house, guys. That's well, our we big... do. You do it. <laughs> in name only. Looking right at it. But, uh... In name only. The fridge has been broken for almost a week now. Damn near a week. Damn near a week. Well, because we didn't figure out it was broken, I think, for a couple of days. <laughs> right? We were like, why does this milk go bad? And it's like a week before the expiration date. Why are all these sodas less cold than I expected them to be, right? See, that's the trick. I'm always I'm always drinking, like, tap water, so I don't mm-hmm. notice. Like, unless I grab a seltzer, and then even then it'll be like, oh, it's a hot day. I don't really know, you know? Humble brag over here. Over what here. do you mean, oh, humble brag? Yeah, I drink tap water. What <laughs> you drink, oh, you drink your tap water. Oh, I drink water. tap water. Yeah, I'm so I'm so <laughs> cultured and refined because I'm drinking Utica tap water. You're obviously look at me. <laughs> we're obviously very cultured and refined because we went to the East Dynasty buffet yesterday, like a bunch of uh, savages, and went in on so much food. There was no fridge. Yeah, there was no uh, fridge. <laughs> I love the East Dynasty Buffet, by the way. I've never like, been there. You've never been to the no, East Dynasty Buffet? The it's a weird place. I've just every time I used to work there, was always an ambulance once a week showing up at that place. Good friend of the. Like, I believe I'm not it. Interested. I believe it. People are there were people doing work in there. I um yeah, good friend of the podcast, Chris Mandry, sent us a text message yesterday uh, to a group, and he was like, "Hey, does anybody want to go?" And I haven't been there in such a long time. I was like, "Wait, you know what? Yeah, I do." I was kind of hungover. I was super yeah. hungry, and so I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me go get all the Chinese food and <laughs> yes. extra food I can grab for $11. It was uh, it was all right. I uh, I think I did four plates, although you don't finish everything on the plate each time you get a plate. But I had four rotations up there, three regular food, one dessert. You should have Sam had quite a strategy. He oh, was out man. there. He had a whole, like, he was a man with a plan when I, he got to the buffet. not my first buffet, let me tell you. Uh, I actually, I look forward to the last plate at the buffet, which for mm-hmm. me at the East Dynasty Buffet is that soft serve ice cream uh, with those Chinese donuts that they have, mm-hmm. the little uh, powdered donuts, and then you cut them in half and you put the ice cream really inside does. the donut and it's a delicious treat. He really does have a plan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kev tried it. It was good. He can, he can pretend to deny sure it. It was good. great. I'm not it's denying just... anything. I'm not <laughs> denying that ice cream and donuts are tasty. <laughs> tasty. I, well, that's not the hill that I'll choose to die on. <laughs> but you certainly had the plan. I did have a plan. Shout out to my dad, Sal. That's how he does it. Um, so we also you also got hassled by a Boy Scout on the street, and you had to buy some popcorn from him because you felt. Oh man, he didn't even he didn't even hassle me. He was the, if he had hassled me, I probably wouldn't have bought it from him. If he had seen like some confident kid who was out there crushing him, like kid, you don't need my help. But this kid was hurting. Like his, his parents <laughs> yeah, he, were there. His dad was like overbearing, wearing a t shirt with like guns and motorcycles on it, and mm. like his mom was there just looking angry at her iPad. This kid's like, oh, my name's Cody. I'm so. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, you know what? I had to sell popcorn at the time of my life as well, and I get it. Uh, yeah, I'll buy some popcorn. you got to support the Scouts. And now we have yeah. popcorn. It's really good for some kids. We have a popcorn. We have popcorn and no microwave, mm-hmm. and then no working refrigerator. We live in like a... But tons of spam. Tons of spam and no refrigerator. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and tap water. And tap lots water. of tap water. We have unlimited tap water. Heather, uh, last time when we talked to you last week, you were saying you were feeling very anxious. You, had a, you were upset. Were you feeling better this week? Yeah, I'm better this week. You're better this week? I'm like, on, I'm Heather 2 this week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Heather 1, that was Heather 2. <laughs> All right, good. Well, I'm glad you're feeling that way. My only real tweet, uh, tweet I saw that you had was you were complaining <laughs> about someone giving you a hay straw. What is that? No, it's just that they offered me a, I, they, I got coffee, and they offered me a hay straw, and I'm like, well, I'm just, I get the whole point of the, the, the hay straw, but you're giving me a plastic cup still. So I just feel like it's just a frustrating that they're I offering didn't... all these straws out, but they're not doing anything about any other cups. It's like... So, so you're mad about them banning straws? You think they should ban everything? Yeah, we should I just mean, drink out of our hands. One step. Right now, I feel like it's just like a little trend thing people are doing. Straws are specifically a little more problematic for they, conservational efforts than things like cups absolutely. are. But I get what you're saying. I think it'll. Hay is not. I don't want hay. <laughs> Would you like a hay straw? No, hay, I, I want like, a hay. Then give me a hay cup. Give me the whole thing. Or give me something besides hay. A paper <laughs> straw? I'll take a paper straw. That'd be fine. I just feel you know like, I mean? yes, people are trying to be eco friendly, but I also feel like it's becoming trendy. Like a trendy thing. Hopefully. I hope that it stays trendy for people to be eco-friendly and do whatever anybody will do to help is okay in my book. I think people need to, we're going to have to start getting our own straws. Twizzlers. So you have your own person. I'm just going to start getting Twizzlers. Twizzlers have no airflow in the middle. You can't get any beverage up. Yeah, you bite the top and the bottom off and you use it like a straw. Yeah. I used to try when I was a kid, but you don't get enough. No, no, it's not satisfying. It's not satisfying. Little spine of a Twizzler. People are gonna start getting their own personal straw. Like you bring like your metal, no, like your stainless steel straw with you from place no, to place. No, 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 no. It'll be an accessory. Right You'll have your own. Straw. I will. I will fight my way through that crummy paper straw that falls apart after like 10, 20 minutes. But I'll be damned if I'm just carrying around a metal straw in my bag in like a month. Like I just. I, you know, how do you even clean a metal straw? You need, like, a special metal straw cleaner at your house. You need, like, one of those, like, uh, what do you call it? It's like a baby bottle. Yeah, yeah. Coat. Yeah, no, not in. We just, you rinse after use. Yeah, but sometimes my stuff sits on lazy. Well, there's, okay. All I'm saying is if they're going to do the straws, let's do the cups, okay? They're still all plastic and... Have you have life. you seen that a lot of these businesses are going to like a sippy cup model? Yeah, but like an plastic. adult sippy cup. Yeah, yeah. we got one. We're in um, New Hampshire. Starbucks was already giving I them feel out like there. That's weird. If it works. It, it works, looks like a sippy cup. That's cup. already how like a coffee cup is. If you go get a cup of hot coffee to go. Yeah, but they actually somewhere. have like a little. It actually looks like my son's. Well, that's a lot of. <laughs> it's got to change fine, out but Again, there. it's still plastic. Come on. All right. So moving away from hay straws and anxiety, I wanted to share something with you guys. I did today. Uh-oh. Or well, today and early this week. So I've never done. I went to a doctor for a problem that I had. I went to a chiropractor. Oh. Yeah, I got some chiropractory. Who did you done. go to? Chiropractory? I don't know. What the, <laughs> I don't know what the words are. Uh, no, I went to. I'll, I'll give them a free plug. They're doing. My back feels good. Uh, climb chiropractor. I've been wanting to go to them. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Nick. It's my guy. Maybe I'll have him come on and talk about fixing my back. Hi, Doctor Nick. Hi, <laughs> Doctor Nick. Yeah. Uh, no, I have to say. You better I, be hitting him with that every time you go in there. He's a very friendly man. I don't always. So he him. would enjoy the joke. I'll hit, I'll hit them yeah. on Friday when I go back. For Good. Third session. See how they got you, though? Yeah, they do. They you, you're going to need them all the time for the rest of your life now. I was... Okay, so I'm super uh, cynical, right, in general, right? Like, I... I'm like one of those people who's like, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm just going to wait it out. Maybe it'll get better, right? That's always been my MO. Uh, so the fact that I even went to a chiropractor is very off-brand for me to, like, go to a doctor. But your boy was hurting. I had problem with my sciatic nerve, is what oh. it looks like. Which, for you folks, is like shooting down the back of your oh, right yeah. leg. For any folks who never had that, I gotta say, I feel a lot better. Against my, like, better judgment, like, I almost hoped that I would go in and it would be like, ah, see, this is a waste of money, now I know. I was like, damn it. 
now I feel good and I gotta keep coming back. No, but Dr. Nick helped me out, making me feel good. It's like one of the first adult things I feel like I've done for myself recently. Going to the doctors. We're just showing our age. It is. <laughs> Going to visit Dr. Nick. Uh, before we get into the other three things I wanted to talk about today, I just I should mention this is the weekend, August 24th, August 25th, downtown get down, Ooh. opening of Handshake City. Mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. what's the percentage that we will be ready to go? No matter what, it'll be ready. I think it'll, it'll be, be ready, ready no matter what. People will. No, it will definitely be ready no matter what. I think in our, my head, it'll never be ready no matter how it's ready like it is. Anybody. Right? Like, yeah. 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 Uh, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm ready. Uh, I'm happy that my chiropractor has worked, so my back is feeling better, so I feel like I can get back out there and help this week. Uh, but I'm very excited, so for anyone, MadeInUtica.com, check out Downtown Get Down. All right. You guys ready to get into some stuff? No, no. No? All right. Uh, do you think you have a lot of friends as an adult? No. No. How many? Not nearly as many as I used to. So you feel like you've lost a lot of friends. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. What about you? I feel like we're we still have a lot of like single friends who pop around in a lot a lot of the time. Like I feel like I still have a lot of friends I had from back in the day. But I feel like you've lost friends, all things considered. I mean, in overall numbers, of course, you have to say you've lost some. You lose along the way. But I do realize as I get older that I'm pretty lucky to have a. Um, a good amount of friends mm-hmm. um, for comparative to people my age, and I seem to do all right at continuing to make friends. Yeah, um, I've been able to make some good friends later in my life. When you know, mm-hmm. you read a lot about how you can't really make you know friends anymore when you get older and stuff like that, and it can never be quite mm-hmm. the same as people you've known since you were in like school or whatever. But you still been able to make some good mm-hmm. friends. So yeah, I got friends, but certainly not mm-hmm. as many as mm-hmm. you once did. Although you wonder if it's the same quality of friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, like, mine was when you get married and you become, Ooh, like, you have somebody that's, like, can do stuff with you all the time. Mm. You ask yeah, people less. Friend. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my friend. Like, want to go do this? Let's do it. You or know? you have married friends. Or you have, yeah, married friends. You hang out with other married couples. Yeah, that's, yep. That. You don't sound excited about that. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's a good article in Vox that I uh, was reading this week, so if you want to look it up, it's called, um, it's called Losing Friends into Adulthood. Uh, or if you're wondering why you lost your friends in adulthood, this is probably why. The number one reason, what do you guys think it is that they said the number one reason why we lose friends in adulthood? You want to care to guess? Anyone? Having kids. Having kids. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's not what they said. Ah. Just, uh, there's less time. More responsibility. Flaking out, actually, was what people tended to say. Is that, that's... Uh, it seems to be something that happens a lot more as you get older is sort of bailing out on doing things with people you make a plan on. Tuesday for later in the week, and then you just sort of cancel it. Super guilty. Uh, and it starts to wonder, like, how? Yeah, I'm super, I'm super guilty. Me and uh, GFOP Aaron Higgins have like a standing Thursday. We're gonna cancel uh, drinks that we're gonna go get. Like yeah. it's pretty much just like, and it makes you wonder, like, how many how many canceled drinks do you need to have with somebody before you're like, I'm not friends with this person anymore, right? Like if if like for example, if I made if I made plans to do three weeks in a row. Me yeah. and you to go get drinks. And yeah. just every week, three weeks in a row, I was like, I'm not coming. I'm bailing out. How long would that last before you were like, nah, no more? I would just be, I would just be, like, not ask you anymore. Just, you stop and asking. And if you said, right? I'd be like, nope, nope. I'm super guilty of this. And that's the only reason I brought it up because I feel like in, like, I have this happen all the time. You make a plan when you're feeling good about something on, like, a productive day. And then as the rest of the weight of the week sort of bears down and you get to that time and you're like, God, like, the last thing I want to do. Is to go out there like in, into I've the world. I've actually lost friends over it. Yeah, me being flaky. Mm. And what it is? 
Yo, so yeah, there you go. Being flake. Kevin, any thoughts? You don't seem like too much of a flaker, though. I don't ever see if I feel you flaking out on no. people very often. Oh, man. Not to, um, the, not to the same level I do people. <laughs> that's nice to hear because, you know, in your in your, your most questioning moments of self and stuff, I feel like I'm a huge flake and I'm, I'm never there. But I think maybe it's just for me. I just, I'm not going to tell you. If I say I'm going to come, I'm going to go, then we got to go. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You have to do it even if you only go for a moment. But I'm just less likely to say I'm going to. I'm much more like, listen, we'll see. That's better. But, like, my policy, too, if I were on the other foot and, I, you know, somebody keeps flaking on me. Because I've had that happen with friends. Mm-hmm. And it's not – I don't look at that as, like, losing a friend or anything of that nature. It's like, all right, you know, you can't get together for these Thursday drinks. You can't. I'll see you when I see you. You know what I mean? We'll yeah. still be friends when I see you. That's just kind of the way life goes, you know. And I've got a lot of people I still consider close friends that I only – see once a year maybe talk to five times a year and it's that great thing that you know when you talk to them it's like you're right back there but like just because we're not hanging out all the time talking all the time doesn't mean our friendship isn't still there Mm -hmm. i just think as you get older um friendships take a little bit less maintenance to keep going sometimes you know what i mean you have to it's true it's the same way when you're like if you plant a tree and you're tending that tree all the time and pruning it and doing this and that by the time it grows into a big thick strong tree you don't really have to dote on it every single day for it to thrive and go on for decades uh i deleted the article that i was using for it that had the steps to maintaining a good friendship so you'll have to figure it out you have to figure it out on your your own basically it was let the people you know are your friends like be aware of it uh, and show up for the people who matter to you basically which again if you could do all these things you probably wouldn't flake out in the first place so it's not always that easy guys at Fox. Uh, so let's check in with some obvious news. Uh, and I think this is funny because this is just like, uh, it's just another example of like these corporations and like these big companies being confused by stuff that doesn't make sense to their like brains anymore. Um, an estimated 35% of people who are considered millennials are sharing passwords for their streaming services across Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, the major streaming platforms. That's drastically low. That's dra- that sounds <laughs> like it's drastically That's low. That's compared to 19% with Generation X subscribers and 13% with Baby Boomers. Uh, and again, I think this is just another example of like old folks being like, I don't understand why young people don't want to spend their money, <laughs> right? Like, that seems to be the overarching... Like thought, con- thought with every of these things is like, oh, millennials are ruining this, millennials are ruining that, blah 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 blah. It all comes down to the fact that it's like, why don't these kids want to spend their money on stuff, right? That seems to be the overarching. Well, if it's easy to get and it's free. Because <laughs> they don't, because the kids don't have any money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because the kids yeah. are handcuffed to to student loan debt in a poor economy where wages have stagnated over two decades, and they're trapped in loans that they may never be able to pay back. A lot of them. Uh, Who's getting money? Exactly. And that's where this, like, concept of, like, trading, like, passwords for platforms or content, like, it comes from, right? Like, I can save myself some money by getting rid of cable. And, that's, like... I think that's a part of it. I don't think that always derives just from a will one to want to save money and not to have to save money. But I think that um, content has become... Value of content in the eye of the consumer has become very low ever since, you know, file sharing and everything became a... You know, it became a thing proper that people were doing. And I think that people just don't value. Like, there's a lot of people who wouldn't. What's, what's Netflix every month? Was it like 10 bucks? 12 bucks. 10 bucks. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so 10, 10, 12 bucks a month. There's plenty of people who, you know, are not going to notice that. They're not going to feel it. It's only $10. But they're like, I'm not paying them $10. Just give me your password. It'll be fine. You know what I mean? I think a lot of it is driven out of convenience and a casual treatment of the 
value of the service provided as well. Mm. Uh, this is from a professor of psychology and marketing at the University of Pennsylvania, talking about the how sharing can be extremely uh, desirable, especially if there's no explicit costs. Giving my friends my password is unlikely to influence my own viewing experience, but it's likely to create a stronger bond between the two of us. By sharing my passwords, I am giving something to my friend. This triggers... Uh, reciprocatory motivations and strengthens our relationship. I don't know if I go totally that far, but like there's something. That's a fancy way to put it. Yeah. Basically it's saying just... like, oh, it's a nice thing to do for your friends and I like to do nice things for my friends. I don't want to lose them. I'm getting about. older. I've got to give them my passwords. <laughs> I've got I mean, nothing left. And I'm sorry and maybe it makes me like just one of those kind of like boohoo type. I have no sympathy for any of these like Netflix, Hulu, oh, Amazon no, people no. who are like, oh and no. That's another thing too. Like <laughs> yeah. 100% fight the power. I don't, I don't care one bit for what any of these large companies have to say or do. No. Any nickel and dime we can get from them is okay in my book. The power belongs to the people. Uh, I will skip past the other story I was going to have. So, guys, here's just a quick one for you on the way out. Did you guys hear that the pizza world is tearing itself apart because Chicago is getting a pizza museum and people in New York are angry about it? They believe that the pizza museum should be in New York and not Chicago. What say you, Heather? Oh, I don't care. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Where did it originate from? Isn't Chicago Italy? like the first, like, I mean, not originate, but like, wasn't Chicago like the first for all like deep dish and all that Yeah, for a deep, well, then they should have the deep dish pizza museum, should they go. not? There you go, then. I feel like, shouldn't they just put an upstate New York anyway? I mean, that's all I know pizza. pizza from is New York. I mean, everybody says pizza from New York. You never hear them talk about pizza Chicago. It seems like a silly argument, but sh- people in Chicago like Chicago pizza. It's like a particular style of pizza. You should probably just put the museum in like a, a neutral location, right? Ohio. Like where? <laughs> yeah, but you want to put it where people are going to go to it. I'm not going go so to go Chicago or New York. I think more people travel. I would be willing to bet that more people travel to Chicago for the pizza than would travel to New York for the pizza. Really? Not saying taking a whole trip for it, but in New, in New York, because New York's got so many cooler things than Chicago, because it's a little bit cooler city, although I love Chicago oh, as well, don't, don't get me wrong. Chicago to pizza. I'm not, I'm that, <laughs> missing the point. I'm not saying going just for pizza. I'm saying when you go to New York, the pizza component is almost incidental, whereas yeah. when you think Chicago, people think, oh, the Chicago deep dish. New York's got more things that come to mind before Chicago yeah, does. Like You're laughing. you got to think say things. No, no, I'm sorry. I was, I'm just reading, I'm reading these people's Twitter responses on, on Twitter like, why well, stop at the Chicago Pizza Museum, the Bagel Institute of New Orleans, the Jambalaya Museum of Austin, the Barbecue Hall of Fame in Brooklyn. Like, just like, I just, a lot of good, this is more for anything else, this is good content. More than anything else for me is the, the Chicago New York Pizza War. Uh, this is not a this Chicago deep dish is not a pizza. It's a bowl of tomato pisk. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just put it upstate. We have better pizza up here than they got us down there anyway. Hot take. Uh, you gotta go big city. Yeah, you gotta I go big city. Go no, you're right. Pizza you're right. If I'm gonna get pizza when I go there. <laughs> There, it's weird that you can just have a museum for anything now, though, too. Like, I'm sure there's a hot dog museum somewhere already, right? Is that got to yeah, be a thing that exists, right? There's going to be a podcast museum eventually. Oh, yeah, sure. It's going to be yeah. here at this yep. studio. Oh, yeah, and I just want, before we go to the break, guys, Kevin Spacey's new, mo- new movie it. opened this week. <laughs> uh, to a career-low opening... Do you guys want to guess? I already know. Do you know what it is? I think I did too. It was like $126 or something like uh, that. Over the weekend, it actually uh, went up to $618 over the weekend. Uh, it was only playing in 11 theaters across the United States, uh, earning $126 at eight locations. Tough go. Tough go. That's what you get for being a jerk. 
Uh, all right. All right, let's move on uh, to this week's interview uh, with Derek Clark of the Broadway Theater League. Uh, you know, Derek, the way this interview came about was my mom had screwed up her subscription for the theater league because she loves to go to the theater and she didn't know who she should talk to so she ended up like getting in touch with Derek and Derek like was really like was really like helped her out and like really did her a favor and she called me up and she went on this big tangent about what a great guy Derek was I'm like yeah I know all these things already he's been on the show before she's like you should put him back on the podcast so as much as this is for Derek this is also for my mom so Aww. there you go mom but uh Derek Clark uh, second time, news member of the Two Timers Club, uh, joined us this week to talk a lot about his Youth Ambassadors program, about Hello Dolly, September 25th and 26th. Uh, we got into a lot of stuff about his, uh, his connection to the city, lots and lots of stuff. You know, let's just get into it. We went real long with Derek Clark, Broadway Theater League. We'll back to the show in just a second. I can't even, you're going up being named Sam. You made the joke already on Twitter, Derek. Uh, this was a thing that I got a lot of as a kid. Like, Did got, you really? Oh <laughs> Flashback? My, my mom would go out and buy any sort of spam paraphernalia. If there was like a t-shirt that said like, I'm with, you got the spam stuff on me. Well, I remember the last time we spoke, you um, you mentioned uh, love from Monty Python. It is true. And you guys have spam a lot coming up <laughs> on October 19th and 20th. Tickets are already on sale for that or not uh, yet? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, I know you are amping up for the most the most uh, pressing show at the moment, September 25th. You guys have Hello Dolly coming in. Yeah, Hello Dolly arrives on the 28th of August, mm. and I'll be teching here for a month. That's amazing. And starring the Broadway legend, uh, Betty Buckley. So, yes, very uh, excited about that. And if you folks don't know her uh, from Broadway, you may know her from Eight is Enough, which apparently is a thing that I saw on, <laughs> on Wikipedia. <laughs> Eight is Enough, and you know, it's interesting is that she's, uh, you know, she's done so much. I mean, she's, oh, yeah. she's one of Broadway's, uh, I, I don't want to say Broadway babies, because she's uh, she's actually an icon, mm. uh, but one of the most respected actresses on oh, Broadway. Yeah. And uh, Tony Award winning as well. Uh, also, 2012 American Theater Hall of Fame member, which I, again, I do a little bit of research before <laughs> I come in here. Uh, and there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about, Derek. But a couple of things I need to get out of the way first. One, as I mentioned, I do have to go to the chiropractor later. So if you see me squirming around... <laughs> I don't want to be here for that. No, so. it's, it's terrible. I'm letting you go. I'm so, <laughs> I'll take you. That's the story of me getting old, right? I swear, I never thought... like every When I was younger than this, like if I got injured or I had like a muscle pull or something, I'd be like, ah, it's fine. I'll be okay in a couple days. And been like a week and I'm like god this is this is the first one huh? <laughs> which was my first profession or was my first choice of a profession was uh to be a chiropractor and actually chiropractor, went yeah. yeah went toward uh Palmer in uh Davenport Iowa okay Palmer School of Chiropractor at that time was really? the number one school huh. in, the, in the country with my parents why did you uh why drove, did you move away from that oh we drove in to Davenport Iowa and I was there for five minutes and I'm like, <laughs> there is no way I can live here <laughs> have you ever gone to a chiropractor uh, not personally. I've watched it be done, though. Okay. Oh, so fascinating. I have been told, and maybe you can help me out here, because I'm a little concerned about this. I was told to go to the chiropractor by a couple of my friends who were 
adamant. They love this person, this particular. And I'm very excited to go. Up until this week, I was under the impression, maybe I'm an insane internet person, that chiropractors were like junk science? No. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. I, I don't know why I, mean, I Not from that. everything that I observed. My mother was, uh, she was an avid chiropractor. Yeah, yeah. And she, I mean, I'm going. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and I would yeah. watch him tug and tug and pull and mm. pop and... Uh, she was in a bad accident mm. when she was younger, and um, and uh, she needed it later in life, and mm. it definitely helped her. Mm. Wonderful. And I have to say, I saw you posting this on it was either Twitter or Facebook. I saw you had the the very hard to get signature on your your booklet from my good friend Dan Lacani from Encora. It's hard to get his autograph on something. Oh yeah, especially when he's behind there slaving in the kitchen, you know, <laughs> and sweating and making that pasta and. I don't know if you know about my connection to Dan Lacani, but let's just say I know where all the skeletons are. I know where all the bodies are buried. We go way back. So if you ever see him, let him know that I have the dirt on him. Yeah, I, I love to tease Dan. And I, I get a particular uh, thrill out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And because he is so, um, you know, he's just so good about it. And That's loves a good it. question to ask, I guess. What kind of connection do you have to those, like, sort of businesses that are around you guys? That, you know, the, the you know Swifties and Cora and all stuff that sort of surrounds that area and stuff. Do you have, like, a nice working relationship with uh, everybody? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that uh, if you look at, um, you know, the back of our book, you know, Daniel Laconte oh, yeah. is on the back of our book. Uh, uh, you know, the Griffins Pub yeah, yeah. owners are on the back of our book. Uh, we do, you know, a lot with Dave Wood at Swifties. Love yeah. him to death. Well, my former boss, Dave Wood. He just wasn't available <laughs> for the back of the book. Um, you it's know, Mr. and Mrs. Down, Wade at oh, Monaco's. Yeah. Uh, huge, huge oh, yeah. relationships with, with yeah. all of them. And, uh, you know, and the thing is, is that, you know, especially when we bring in these tech shows, um, you know, I, when I announced that I was going to have a huge tech show mm-hmm. in uh, September that would be here from August into September, I couldn't say what it was. I could just sure. say it was huge and people mm-hmm. had to trust me on this, that it was huge. And uh, I was at dinner that night at Ancora mm. and I had every single server walk up to me and say, thank you. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've been waiting because <laughs> we depend on that. Yeah. You know, it's a whole month that they know that they're going to be guaranteed uh, business, lunch, yeah. in between lunch and dinner, and dinner. Well, that's like the, a lot of the that's a lot of the plan, really, for the way that this community is supposed to work. That sort of synergy that exists between all these people doing all these amazing things, and it doesn't always work as smoothly as we'd like it to. <laughs> and that's always the goal, but uh, it's nice when it does work. And yeah. It's nice. Yeah. And I try. I mean, it. I mean, from my perspective, uh, you know, ninety. I, you know, my goal is to hit eighty percent of it right, yeah, and, yeah. and try to repair the other twenty percent. But uh, you know, I have to say that we uh, we always overexceed. I, I mean. Ninety-five yeah. percent of the time, we pull this off, of, and you know, and it's crazy. I have three people in my office, including yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah, we do this with three people. Yeah. Hey, I got you a question about that actually, uh, and I do want to talk a little bit about the youth ambassador program in a minute. But uh, I have a lot of kids through my work who we intern around the city, and uh, one of them is at the Stanley at the moment. So I happened to be over the Stanley last week. And it took me a minute to remember that the Broadway Theater League is not the same building as the Stanley, because I was looking for you in the Stanley for a minute. I was like, oh, he doesn't work here necessarily. He works across <laughs> the street. Uh, how's that sort of relationship work with you guys? I'm always sort of curious, like, how do you guys have, like, sort of a standing agreement with the Stanley to just sort of do everything there? Or uh, It's interesting that you brought this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just curious. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and this was not a planted question. No, no, it was not. I don't know what he's going to ask. Um we have had yeah. an agreement with the Stanley where we had first right of refusal on our mm. Broadway shows. Nice. Um, I'm not going to lie about it, but that relationship has been strained a lot uh, really? in recent months huh. and years. And, uh, you know, it, it's not always, uh, I don't think we're, we're treated fairly. 
Really? And huh. that's my own personal opinion. So going forward, would that mean you'd look to extend out to other potential theaters in the district? Or uh, I think it's uh, you know it's an option. Sure. Um, sure. But uh, but you know my goal you know in my own plan here you know anyway has always been uh, that we needed to be more involved and more of a right. presence, and we needed yeah. to be a brand. Right, exactly. You know, exactly. We are a brand. We've yeah. been here for 61 years. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's uh, 61 years of just being like in the shadow behind a curtain, and uh, it's important that we, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're known as that. That's a great point because it sort of speaks to the thing I was just talking about, right? Like I went over to the Stanley to look for you, not thinking necessarily to go across the street, and there's a big building that says Broadway Theater League in the front of it, right? So I guess that's maybe a part of it, too, is sort of establishing the brand as a thing that people recognize, right, as its own independent brand. Right? Absolutely, and, um, you know, and... Uh, <clears throat> you know, it's it, it. You know, there are times that I get extremely frustrated. Uh, it just uh, means you, know, you care, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, I do, and you know, and I can't say that. I mean, uh, if anybody would like to to challenge me on it, I'd be more than happy to go head to head at a podium with them about it. Oh, yeah. uh, but we have taken Broadway Theater League of Utica, uh, and the city of Utica. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, the Stanley, and uh, put them at a level that they've never been at before. Um, And I don't think that I would ever get credit from uh, a certain group of people for (laughs) doing that. Uh, But I know that I do hear it from many, many, many others. Wonderful. Uh, I want to ask you this question. So last time you were on the show was 58 weeks ago. Uh, almost a full, more than a full July 11th, year. number 107. Uh, it was your, six, it was the start of the 60th year at that point in time. You're just getting into the 60th season of, uh, of the year. So in the last 58 episodes, 58 weeks, how do you feel like this 60th season has gone so far in your opinion? Well, the 60th season was, uh, was a record-breaking year for mm-hmm. Broadway Theater League. Uh, it was our biggest year ever. Ever. Uh, really. Yeah. It, uh, we... And also, too, just from ticket sales, you know, the number of people that were coming into, uh, you know, the Stanley Theater because Mm. of the Broadway Utica shows uh, was record-breaking. Yeah. And also, too, if you look at, because I'm a a data guy, so I look at stats uh, Mm -hmm. beyond, I mean, that's that's my life, and uh, I I love stats. And you look at where we have drawn from, Mm -hmm. uh, we have, (laughs) for Love Never Dies last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had people, we had... Uh, a lady from uh, Singapore mm. who booked to come to Utica to see <laughs> Love Never Dies. We had families from California. Uh, one lady from San Bernardino uh, was took her family to New York City, and then they all drove up to see the show. And their vacation in New York City was around coming to Utica to see Love Never Dies. Yeah, uh, it. You know, and you just look at it regionally as well. I mean, we draw from Syracuse, we're drawing from Rochester, we're drawing from Buffalo, we're drawing from Albany, uh, we're drawing from the Adirondacks. Uh, the number of people geographically that are coming here are willing to drive a much greater distance than they've ever been willing to do because our shows are equal to or better than what they are getting in Syracuse, what they're getting in Albany, Schenectady, in those areas. And what's funny about uh, Broadway Theater League, live theater in general, uh, you know, I just took a bunch of my students last weekend up to uh, Glimmerglass in in Cooperstown. I don't know what you're I have not been to Glimmerglass, but... I, it's um, the first time I'd ever seen a show there. I've driven by it. the been, opera? Or did you no, we went to see West Side Story, because mm. uh, they were doing West Side Story there. And, <clears> you know, awesome. and for me, again, I enjoyed the show. I've seen it before, but I'm thinking about it's it as... coming a, back to Broadway, by the way. I saw you talking about it. <laughs> you know what? I never realized... What a downer it is! Like I, I know, it, I know it's a downer, but like, man, you get to the end, you're like, wow, this is really—they're they're not pulling any punches in this show. <laughs> uh, but you know, my concern as an educator was like, all right, I'm going to bring all these 
Proctor High School city kids oh, who awesome. want to like sit on their cell phones and do their thing, and, and I'm not knocking them. That's that's what kids like to do, right? But to actually bring them into the show and have them watch it and have them be engaged, you know, was something for me. And I think that in this sort of digital world where people lose attention span so quickly, something about live performance still actually appeals to to young kids who are watching it. And I know it did to me even when I was growing up. You guys have your youth ambassador program. Is it nice to sort of engage the youth in this at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of, you know, I've said this before, is that uh, the youth in general, and it's always been, you know, you know, the LGBTQ youth, uh, as I mean, most importantly, because they're the ones that are always um, seem a little bit a little ostracized. Yes. So being able to bring uh, the LGBTQ kids, oh, yeah. the, you know, the, the, all the kids together, including that group together and everyone love and have yeah. fun and enjoy each other uh, has been a huge passion of mine since I've come here. And uh, Kristen Madison, who runs the program for me. Yeah. But, uh, we have, you know, we have grown this this program. 50% yeah. over the last two years. Uh, and right now we're at a point where it's so big that we have to cut it off. We can't run it anymore with the, with what we have. Um, so we've, we cut it off at 60 students yeah, yeah. now. And to your point about taking them to see live shows, this year was our first year yeah. that we took a, the group mm -hmm. to New York City and they all got to see Waitress. So it oh, was nice. the longest day. And we had 30 of the 60 go because yeah, it, yeah. It, was, uh, it was Easter break. So a lot of them already had plans with their families, were out of town, that kind of thing. So the ones that weren't and wanted to go, we had our own little Easter trip. And nice. we went, you know, we chartered a bus. We went down. Uh, we spent the day in the city. And I had, I, I believe we had seven chaperones, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. and 30 kids. And when you get on the streets of New York City, and I'm from there, you oh, yeah. know, you've lived there. Uh, you're on the corner of 42nd and 8th Avenue. Yeah. <laughs> and with 30 kids, and you lose one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like heart starts pounding, and only to realize it's your partner who has lost the kid, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um,. So it, yeah, it was, it was panic. It was it was a much bigger project than I ever dreamed, and but we had a blast. I'm only laughing because I took kids to New York a couple years ago, and it is, it's it's a tough. These are the tough juniors end. and seniors in high school. You don't want to like put leashes on them, you know, and hook them all together. There's a fine line, right? Like I, I we were in Times Square. I was right the same. Like I, I used to work at 44th and 7th on car huh? over there. So for me, I know Times Square pretty well, right? And they wanted to do all the typical New York stuff. They're, oh, I want to go to the M&M store. I want to go to the Disney <laughs> They want to go to H&M. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we went there. To be fair, I did have to prepare them for New York City life because we had to walk from the hotel to Times Square. So when we were walking down the street and they were like, what's that smell? I'm like, that's pot, kids. Welcome to the big city. You're going to have to get used to it. Just ignore it because you'll probably smell it again in 30 seconds. This is Times Square. It is 10 o'clock at night. Uh, so I got to ask you this, though. Going back to New York, like when you go back to New York, you're going there for enjoyment, take the kids, but do you already start thinking about potential shows for the future when you're down there, things like going on for Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my mind's always going and I'm always got mm -hmm. my ear to the you know, to the ground. So you're um, already starting to think about sixty one, about the next season coming. Oh six, this is sixty two. Right, sixty two then you're thinking uh, of, yeah. Oh sixty two, I've already have twelve shows. So you're already ready. I have twelve shows on the calendar right How far now, ahead and you start playing knowing that some of those are going to fall out. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes yeah, more I'll, sense. Yeah. 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 That's my buyer from my my younger life. Uh, yeah. You know, is you always overbuy and uh, then go back and trim. And you don't have to tell me if you've already gotten it so far, but I'm curious: is there still like a dream show or any particular show you'd love to bring in that you haven't been able to bring in yet? Uh, 
Yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and right now, you know, I'd love to have De- Dear Evan Hansen. Mm, uh, true. You know, that would be probably the most realistic, and it's not going to happen for a few years. Right. Uh, you know, because we, um, you know, one of the struggles that we have here in Utica, and this is one of the things that my some of my critics don't understand, is that, um, you know, I can't just go out and say, I want this show. And right. the show, you know, whether the show's in production or not, I'm going to get, no, they don't, there's certain, you know, groups of shows mm-hmm. that I have to choose from, and... Uh, I have to work within what's available, whether it's equity or non-equity. Does the equity right. version shows, which uh, you know the the better shows, uh, you yeah, know, the, the, the popular, more popular shows, yeah, yeah, more popular shows, you know, also come with lower margins. So there's lower, less money exactly. made internally on the better right. shows. Uh, so you know, it's all budgetary. I have to work it in, and I found that um, with doing that, uh, you know, the t- if I'm able to really focus on the tech part of it and make that something we're extremely strong at and make us really good at that and get the word out that uh, we can get some of those equity shows that we would never have here because I get credit from the Broadway League for teching them because they have to be in one location for a minimum of 8 to 16 performances. Right. So... We could never do that. We we have a hard time with two plus. Two plus, yeah. You know, and uh, some great titles three we can do, but mm-hmm. uh, it's not. Those are rare occasions. Right. So you know, Broadway or um, Utica would never see, would have never seen Love Never Dies. Would have never seen The Grinch. Would have never seen um, uh, Hello Dolly. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably wouldn't have seen Spam a lot in some cases, uh, because. Yeah. They are equity productions, so they would never come here. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Hello Dolly thing. I read, uh, I saw the video before you came in of you talking a little bit about the uh, about getting them in. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. So the way this works for Hello Dolly, they're on Broadway currently, right? Or they're about to be finished up on Broadway. Yes, on the 25th. On the 25th, they're going to finish mm-hmm. on the 25th and then immediately come in. Wow, that's pretty amazing. <clears throat> pretty How amazing. Did that whole process. First work? time in history of. Uh, 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 Broadway in Utica. So did you know that you wanted this to happen? Like, this was a dead set thing for you. You wanted this. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, uh, I, I, I received a message uh, <laughs> about another show that I had mm. slated to come in around the same time, uh, you know, right during the holidays. Uh, it was the, I believe it was the 22nd of December. It was the Friday mm. before Christmas. And uh, was crushed that something had fallen through the cracks. Mm. Uh, a show had fallen. And, you know, and I had a couple really, really great shows in my back pocket. Sure. And, um, you know, and they're, you know, so I always overbuy. Uh, all of a sudden I was like realizing that, oh, I need to like do something, do something quick. So I waited, uh, you know, through the first of the year. So it was like a week and a half. And uh, you know, I was on the next train to New York City <laughs> and pounding on doors and, uh, you know, and, and trying to get people's ears. <laughs> and I was very fortunate uh, to um, stumble upon, um, you know, Scott Redden's, uh, people who were booking the show. Yeah. And uh, at that time, nobody knew that Dolly was closing on the 25th. Really? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> it goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I was like, so that was one of the big reasons why I couldn't announce. And, um, you know, I always announce our shows right. uh, on the last show of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always announce to the subscribers before yeah, anybody yeah. else knows. My board only finds out a day or two before that. Boy, they they don't even know what the shows huh. are. And uh, so I was ready to announce, and I literally, like 10 minutes before going on stage, uh, Hello Dolly said, you can't announce us. And I was was ready to vomit. (laughs) I was sitting backstage, I was sweating, I was nervous. 
Um, and, uh, you know, my board president said, you can do this, you can make it work. And I went out there without knowing what I was going to say. Mm. Uh, I had nothing. My mind was just foggy. All I could think about was <laughs> heading over to Dan's bar at Ancora <laughs> and taking a few shots of, um, Tito's. But, um, so I just got out there and all I could say is the show's so big, I can't tell you what it is. Mm. <laughs> uh, and the reason for that was that they hadn't announced to the cast yet in New York City that, that they, they were closing. Right. So, so so many little hoops to jump, so many different little nuances you have to sort of deal with. There's so much yeah. more to the picture that nobody knows that I do. I don't just pick up the phone and say, hey, I want the show, and it comes. You know, it's not that. I mean, these are shows that I'm working on for over a year. You know, Love Never Dies, I was uh, almost a year and a half I was working on that show to get it here. I know this answer to this question already, but you obviously still get excited. For everything, like, once, at, when... When the show opens up, you must still have that feeling of like giddy excitement when it finally oh, happens. I You've do, been at and, you know, and it's, it's giddy excitement, but it's also you know it's just uh, my passion for you know it, it's a challenge to pull that off. And at that point in time, there's no turning back. It is what it is, mm-hmm. and is there is a certain amount of stress that just totally leaves your body on that night. Oh yeah, and um, you know, and I sit in the audience. I sit in row F. Mm. Um, and I'm there with everybody else, and I am just I just watch everybody. I want to see what everyone's reaction is around me. Uh, I want to know if people are laughing, are they crying, are they talking, are they, you know, whispering in each other's ears. Uh, you know, I, I watch everyone's emotions and to see you know how they are reacting to the show. I'm very happy you said that because I have a question for you that's been bothering me since I went to Glimmer Glass this weekend. Uh, I got a person in the theater, won't say who, but they were sitting on one side of me. And they were uh, man-spreading pretty intently. They had their knees over in my <laughs> Only section. Only in New York City would uh, you know what that term I do is. Know what that, <laughs> they're spreading all over the place. It's like they do on the subway. What are the most common, like, bad theater etiquette things you see on a day-to-day basis, like in theater performances? Oh. I would assume eating, probably, right? Uh, well, you know, most people don't bring food in, which is oh, nice. Okay. That's good. Uh, you know, they try to slip in their own alcohol, and we try yes. to <laughs> stop that. But, um, you know, it's uh, really, it's uh, it's just... The people who feel they need to carry on full-blown conversations. Yeah. And not only is it rude mm. uh, to the people that are around you, yeah. it's extremely distracting if yes. they hear it on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell you from when I'm in the theater, and I'm in the theater uh, when I'm on the stage, I can hear what people oh, are yeah. saying. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like your voice travels. It's a theater. And, uh, you know, and it's just, it's just rude for those of the patrons who are, one, subscribers, mm-hmm. but also, two, uh, just the general public. And you don't want to distract. You know, keep your conversations to yourself and wait till the show's done. It's tough, too, because I notice it with movies more than plays. I didn't notice it when I went to see West Side Story or anything like that. But when I went to the movies, like the last three times I went to the movies, it's like cell phone bonanza. Like people have just given up on turning off their cell phones now, apparently. Well, yes. The, and, you know, it's interesting is because one of the things that the show always tells me yeah. uh, before I go on stage yeah. is, you know, do not mention cell phones. Mm-hmm. So when I go out, I don't mention it because they don't want me to uh, discount or take away from their cell phone message. Sure. And, right. yeah, cell phones are distracting. Uh, yeah. I think that they, we've gotten better at it definitely yeah, than general. we were when yeah. I came. Uh, but, I, you know, you look at Patti LaPone and, you mm-hmm. know, oh, it was about a year and a half, two years ago on Broadway – she stopped the show. Oh, yeah. And she had a guy in the third row on the right whose face was completely lit up. Oh, yeah. While he was on the phone texting. And every time she <laughs> looked out at the stage, that's all she oh, yeah. saw was this guy's face mm. looking back at her. And she stopped the show. And she called him out. And she told him to get Good. out of the theater. 
You're starting to see that more. Uh, my buddies just went to go see Jack White. I don't know if it was Omit Gang or whatever. And they have a policy that says when you walk in, we're going to give you a card and we're going to take your cell phone. And at the end of the night, you can have your Not cell phone Not a back. bad idea. <laughs> I, I think it's a fine. I love it. But I'm, I swear to God, working in education, I've seen kids tell teachers to like piss off because they want to take their phone away from like there is a generation that does not want to give up their cell phone yeah, and, and why is that i mean i grew up in a generation where we had landlines no cell phone obviously and we also had a busy signal oh when yeah. you called someone you got a busy now signal now i get a busy signal i'm <laughs> super confused I'm like, Wait a minute, what, is, what happened who am i calling anymore and what did you do you hung up you went about your day you called back in a little bit while you know you got to remember though that we are sort of a last sort of bastion of that era that remembers the post cell phone era like i am 32 and even i am sort of on the i've lived longer in my life with cell phones than without them. i was like 16 15 when i got a cell phone the first time I'm just lucky that I remember having to call people's houses, right? Like, I vaguely remember that concept. My niece and nephew have no idea what that's mm-hmm. like. So when I'm, like, looking at them, they're taking 9,000 Snapchats a day, and it doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, well, that's just how they communicate. Like, I have to try and, like, put it in context, right? right? exactly. It's um, true. But I will say, I was impressed by how much, at least my kids and the kids we were there with, were engaged by the live show. We're not really bored or uh, thrown off by the, the musical stuff. And I think something about it is just the fact that that show is so live and visceral. There's no safety net. Like, it's easy to turn off watching television or a movie. You can pause it. You can come back to it, especially if you're home. But something about that, like, constant driving, visceral, immediate action that's taking place in front of you is really hard to pull away from. And, and, and you know, it's really great that you did that, too, with the kids, by the way. That, that's you. phenomenal. I mean, was, yeah. I, uh, to be honest, I was chaperoning at the last minute because the person who was supposed to chaperone bailed out. I would definitely walked in in a bad mood because I was like, this must be my day off. But by the time we, like, the, by the time I realized how much the kids were into it, I, I sort of melted my cold, curmudgeon heart. You know, and, and I had the same experience. And, you know, I, and now I know who I can call again um, because I had a, a, a chaperone that I had to bail out on yeah. the last minute on our trip to New York City. And I picked up the phone and I, I remember it was late at night on the night before we left. Yeah. And called, uh, you know, uh, Teresa Dunn, who's a, oh, yeah. a, a teacher at the House of Good Shepherd, mm-hmm. and I uh, said, "Hey, can you help me out here?" Yeah. And because she, she's a teacher, and I'm <laughs> like, if anybody would be passionate about what I need right now, would oh, be a yeah. teacher. Uh, are good for that. Yeah, and she she's like, count me in. I'm like, what time do I have to be there? She's, I said, 5 a.m. And she, she was for, there. For, it's funny. It's a weird teacher thing. Like, I talk to teachers all the time because that's just the way it is. You run around teacher circles, and we always complain about students and teacher stuff. But the minute, like, a kid needs something, no matter how, like, begrudging we are, we'll do it because it's sort of the, that's the ethos of the teacher. It's like the Hippocratic Oath. Like, if a kid's in trouble, if a kid needs help, I'll do it, whether I want to or not, because that's part of the job. That's just part of the job. being an educator. Yes. Uh, I want to get away from, uh, apologies, from theater just one second. Sure. I just want to ask you this question. I noticed on uh, your Facebook page, your Twitter page, your big proponent, Anthony Brindisi, is a close friend of yours. I was just curious, did you happen to attend the fundraiser last week? Was that oh, absolutely. Yeah. Monday night? Did you enjoy the time? Uh, it was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, the turnout was huge. Yes. Um, I literally, you know, I was late leaving the office. You know, the whole, uh, you know, Trump thing was going on downtown. Yes, it was. So I was trying to get from my office there, which uh, yeah, I was, gonna ask, it was more, mean, right? <laughs> well, it really wasn't that bad. It was more me being late yeah. than what yeah. I was a, it was uh, wasn't all that bad for me. Mm-hmm. With the, I just hopped, went straight down uh, Court Street yeah. and hung a left on Bleecker, but or um, down on to go to get to Bleecker. But it was it was. I went to pull up and and I'm like, okay, I'm four blocks away and there's mm-hmm. all these cars 
where am I going to park? Are they all going oh, yeah. there? Yeah. And uh, so I was shocked. I was. It was like a rock star was performing <laughs> at Chesterfields, and there was. It was. You know, they had the tent set up, and there were so many people pouring out from the tents onto yeah. the streets. Mm. And it it's was. It was just. But I think most importantly, it was so positive. Yes. You know, it was. Everybody was yeah. positive. And uh, yeah, there's a lady on. If look at Facebook, which who I didn't even dignify with a response. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know you. Who oh. are you? Why are you even writing to me about this? Um, but she said I took a cheap stab politically. Oh, um, did you know? Yes, she did. <laughs> I'm like, why? Because I said it was positive? I guess it is intimidating to some of the others. Uh, I said it was a positive uh, 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 event and uh, you know, positive attitude and everybody was friendly and everyone's having a good time. Nothing wrong with that. Especially now, too, because I've noticed that this particular election is starting to get more national coverage. Even to this morning on the New York Daily podcast, New York Times Daily podcast, was talking about Anthony Bernissi this morning. Yeah. We're going to start seeing this race become much more nationally televised, more talked about the next two or three months. And uh, it's going to be important that he sort of maintains that positivity, because I think that's a strong selling point for oh, his absolutely. character. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Great uh, friend and, of the show. <laughs> yes. And, I mean, he's going to be a great, great, great congressman. Yes. And, and, and we so. need that. I mean, yeah. he has proved that he will work cross lines, uh, and, uh, you know, and I, I trust that he will do that. Uh, just very quickly, before we get to our lightning round questions, just a quick run through. Uh, Hello, Dolly, September 25th and 26th. Uh, and then Spamalot will be October 19th and 20th. Uh, if you folks who don't know about Spamalot, Monty Python, <laughs> look it up. Excellent stuff. And then Something Rotten, November 5th and 6th. And then the end of this year is Charlie Brown. Uh, that's December 7th. And then you have stuff a little bit after that through February, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You have Cinderella coming up, I want to say. Mm. Uh, Cinderella's coming back uh, yeah, just nice. for one night only because nice. last year we had snowstorm during yes, that's So right. a lot of people that wanted to buy yeah. tickets couldn't buy tickets. Uh, so we, uh, the producer agreed to bring it back for one night only and, uh, you know, with no, uh, huge, uh, responsibilities for us. And then we'll have, go into Sound of Music. Nice. And we'll also go into, uh, Finding Neverland, which are all phenomenal shows. And is that the, is that sort of wrap up the 61 for this year? Yeah, wrap up the 61. Huh. And you're excited for 62 already. Uh, 62, yeah. 62 (laughs) is like, you know, it's, I'm sitting there looking at the inventory and working, you know, with New York and, um... It's hard because, you know, we have to also work on logistics. It's not, yeah. they're not only coming to Utica. And, right, exactly. You know, in some of the other uh, markets, they can keep a show there for three or four days mm-hmm. in some cases. We're yeah. only two. So if somebody's there, you know, they book two days and then they decide they want to book an additional two and we're the next two that's in line there, yeah. we get booted. Do you think it's just a population reason for why you can only book two, three days? Do you think after a while... You're it's a combination. Of... Um, it's population. or yeah. you know The density of our population yeah. has decreased. So therefore, uh, being able to bring in some great shows that you know, are from geographically ex- right. expanding helps us because the theater... I mean, a typical New York City theater is 1,700 seats. Right, yeah, yeah. We're on 3,000 at the Stanley. Mm. Uh, New York City, thing, yeah. during theater hours, during commute rush hours, there's almost 18 million people oh, yeah. in the city. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and a 1,700-seat theater has that to draw off of. Yeah. We're a 3,000-seat theater, which is 60% larger. Yeah. And, uh, We're drawing from a smaller base. And a much smaller base. Yeah. So do the math. You know, it's funny. I always talk about that with podcasting when we talk about, like, the even if you talk about just the city of Utica, you're talking, like, 60-ish thousand people. I guarantee you 20,000 don't even know what a podcast is. So already of that 60,000, I've lost a third of it just because I don't, I'd have to even, like, 
get their phone and show them how to download a podcast, right? So right. you sort of, how do you expand that number of people who you can reach out to? That's always the question, it seems exactly. like. Exactly. Uh, Derek, people can follow you on Twitter at, uh, at Clark33Clark, or they can go to yes. BroadwayUtica.com for more information about all the shows. Uh, you guys are on Facebook. You're all over the web. Uh, so check out all the stuff Broadway Theater League an exciting 61st season I'm looking forward to finding out about the 62nd I'm looking forward to Spamalot looking forward to Hello Dolly a lot of cool stuff uh, Derek do you have some time for some lightning round questions oh, before I let you go alright I had to come up with new lightning round questions for you alright <laughs> all right, so uh, here we are uh, lightning round questions Derek Clark uh, what makes you optimistic about the future uh, the youth, definitely, yeah. yeah. You know, when I look at the kids here in Utica, uh, I've never seen a group of kids with such a, a positive, mm -hmm. great, humble, loving attitude. And, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, I had a, uh, last year I had a student from the Youth Ambassador Program tell me that, um, you know, because all the Youth Ambassadors talk about, yeah. uh, you know, give us a little testimonial, and there's testimonials mm -hmm. in our book this year from some of them. Uh, but these kids, I mean... It, it's basically when I look, you know, and on my email, when I, uh, my my quote on my email says that um, if this was the picture of my life, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't think of a better way to frame it. You know, this is this this is what we have to look forward to, and these kids are awesome. You know, I did the uh, the I do this internship program with a lot of the kids at Utica College. It's part of my part of my job, and uh, one of the things we do is we facilitate our young scholars kids to go to um, internships all across the city. So lots of local businesses have them all around. And uh, what's funny, more than all of the, the managers telling me, like, I'm never giving these kids back, I love them, is that you are starting to see people, at least the youth, recognize that there are things here worth staying for. And I, and I get it. I was in that age in 04 and 05 when I was like, I'm out of here. I'm done. And I don't see that quite as much as I did 10, 12, 15 years ago. And I think that's a good sign that people realize that they can make something for themselves here too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think with uh, you know, with this group of kids, yeah. again, like I said, I started to say this, that last year I had one of the students came up to me after the program was mm -hmm. over and said, when I came into this program, I didn't have any friends. Yeah. And when <laughs> I left, I had 60. Oh, yeah. And that was that tells me you know how embracing i mean theater shouldn't judge it doesn't judge it never you is. know the, the people that are involved in theater are the most open liberal people that i've ever met in my life it's true and, and they embrace and these kids all are they're, they're following that and they're embracing each other you know i think that's an amazing point that you make it too because i you know i did musical theater in high school when i was playing in a band and i was doing sports and i was doing a lot of different things and i didn't totally know who i was or what kind of person i wanted to be and, you know, you play sports and you meet people who play sports and some of them were like me, but a lot of them were not, right? I didn't associate characteristically just with the way people were, right? And something about, like, musical theater was very accepting in a way that I never found with other sorts of extracurricular activities in that way. And I don't necessarily know exactly what it is. Maybe it's the idea that nothing works in musical theater unless you all sort of work together on it and you have to have that sort of camaraderie. But I always found it very accepting. And even growing up, my sister was a musical theater major at Syracuse University. That's right. where a lot of my love for musical theater grows up, was going to like Utica College as a kid and watching her do like Into the Woods, right? Things like that. But also, I do have to say, it probably had an effect on my ability to be like tolerant, right? She had a lot of her friends growing up, LGBTQ people, uh, like punk rocker kids, like strange guys, drug guys, weird, just <laughs> different people from all over the place. Wow. And what's she was a I, magnet for it. She was, yeah, it's, and, and somehow it, 
I never felt uncomfortable. I never felt weird because at such an early age, you just realize that people are people. It's only later on you learn to judge people. When you're a kid, you just meet people as people. And I think that musical theater's ability to sort of open that up for people is is really underappreciated, especially in schools, which makes me sad when they're underfunded. Yes, exactly, and that's why that's so important. Uh, All right, here's a lighter question for you. Uh, What was the first album you bought with your own money? First album you bought own money the first album i bought with my own money i want to say i i cannot swear about this but i think it was uh apple's voulez-vous yes <laughs> did you go see mama mia too Were you gonna go? oh i haven't seen it yet but i want to yeah <laughs> i I, uh, I need to go see it i mean come on it's Cher and fernando I, fernando is one of my favorite songs of all time i get a lot of flack for it from oh, my yeah. friends because they don't understand why i like it so much i just do i can't help it uh i don't know abba underrated underrated yeah. you know what's funny about abba they have a ton of, like, number one hits, that, and they don't get talked about very often. Like, it doesn't get the same buzz as, like, you know, the Beatles are all the hits the Beatles had. I'm like, you know, Adam's got jams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's amazing. Uh, this is a tough one. Since uh, you've been in that Stanley Theater, do you believe in ghosts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, the, I, this is inter- funny, is that there is, I mean, I have was up one day, um, we were with, uh, the producers from A Christmas Story yeah, and we were trying to figure out some speaker alignment that we needed to change and I was up there with him yeah. and I you know we're standing there and we're looking back at the back wall we're up all the way in the balcony yeah. and I felt mm-hmm. someone grab me on the shoulder yeah, and I turned around and there was nobody there they won't talk about it when I've talked to them in the past. I've had, like, their media people in before, and I was like, so what's up with this place being haunted? They're like, I don't know anything about that. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> and there's also a seat where the number, supposedly, keeps coming up missing. I've heard that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I looked. It's not there. The seat is not numbered. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, um, I was at the Fort Schuyler, uh, Fort Schuyler Club brought in, uh, I, I believe it was the Ghost Hunters or uh, yeah. that came in mm-hmm. and did a presentation because they were here yeah. months, a few months before that. And they did the Four Skyler Club one night, mm-hmm. and they went to the Stanley and looked around. And uh, let me tell you, it blew my blew me away sitting there watching what they found in the Four Skyler Club. Interesting. Yeah. You go, if you go online, there's a lot of like information about haunted upstate New York. New York's got a lot of weird. Well, there's this whole yeah. the whole train trip too. Yes. coming up. The haunted train. Trip. Yeah, the haunted train trip. Well, I'm trying was, to figure out how I can like clear my schedule to do when that. When I was a kid, it used to be Star Hill was the thing that kids were scared of. That was like the haunted. Is that place. where the murder took place? Yes. Yes. yes okay. Star I've Hill. Heard about that? Yes. That was a famous one. Uh, question number four: If you could only have one condiment for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, it would be dill pickles. Dill pickles. Is that a condiment? That's, that's what I would call a condiment. <laughs> it was, it was, so um, rel- not relish, add it onto... Okay. So not, a, not relish, mustard. though. Yeah, if it had to be mustard, ketchup, mayonnaise, that type of thing, it would definitely be mustard. I'm a mustard guy. Ketchup low on my list. I was at the store yesterday, and they had all the new Lay's potato chip flavors out. Like, they, you know, they, they ask people... Don't tell like, them they have a ketchup flavor. Yeah. It's do you know they have, like, teriyaki spam and barbecued spam flavor? That doesn't bother me so bad, because <laughs> I can do a little culinary work, but that I can fix up. The key to spam is that... If you can fry it up and put it on like toast and stuff, it's actually very tasty. It's a delicacy in Hawaii. (laughs) Uh, Number five, what's your most uncomfortable social situation? Uh, Not being able to remember someone's name. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Dude, I'm the king of that. And you know what the sad part is? Because I do the show and people, I meet people all the time and sort of people have this impression of who I am because of the podcast, people tend to think they know me. 
right? So mm-hmm. I, even today, I called the chiropractor, and they were like, I know your voice. Are you the podcast? I'm like, that's super weird. <laughs> you know that. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is weird. Yeah. No. Something about not knowing names, though, and it happens to me all the time. Constantly. And yeah, and me, uh, me as well. And I'm out and about. I get approached a lot, or I'm at dinner. And will you uh, just take a stab, or do you give them like the "Hey, buddy, hey, pal" thing? <laughs> hey, gorgeous. <laughs> good to see you. Handsome. That's a good one. I use that one a lot too. Handsome. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I use that one a lot too. <laughs> uh, what was your dream job as a kid? Oh, my dream job as a kid was was to be a pilot. And I think I mm. talked about that on your show before. Yeah, uh, yeah I wanted to be a pilot, but I'm colorblind. Mm. That's and, right. We did uh, talk. <laughs> doesn't work on those runways with the green and blue lights. <laughs> uh, tougher question for you. Uh, is it possible to separate the art from the artist in this day and age? The tougher question, mm. I know. Uh, well, yeah, I would say. It's tough, uh, it's tough yeah. to go back. Someone said Michael Jackson it's, last week and it threw my whole thing into, into a tizzy because it's hard for me to separate, like all the things that he supposedly did, but it's hard but, for me to not like Michael Jackson. Because exactly, he's extremely talented. And, yeah. Uh, you, know, and, uh, you, you look at the person that's sitting in the White House right now. It's true. Uh, it's true. Yeah, I used to watch him on The Apprentice. And, so weird, isn't it? You know, now I look at him now, and I'm like, oh, and then, oh, and Amarosa. That's <laughs> uh, true. It's, it's so funny because, like, I've talked about it in the past, like, not even to get political on it, like, it's so weird for me to go watch, like, an old movie or an old... Because I'm a wrestling guy, right? And if you go back to... We were watching wrestling a couple days ago on TV, and they were showing WrestleMania 4. This is, like, 1988, 89. And they're in Trump Plaza in the in New Jersey, and he's there in the front row, but just as himself, right? Like, it's just like, God, he's... I forgot that he was so famous, like, 20, 30... He's been around for such a long time. It's so weird. He, and it is. Home Alone 2. Yeah, which also just proves, proves that, you know, you, you don't always know I, the person. Yeah, um, And, uh, you know, I'm not a fan. And, no, me neither. Uh, so... Uh, but you know what? I, I, I did watch his show. It's, I watched it every single week. It's, it's a weird moment where I say to myself, if the things that he were doing were not so objectionably terrible or against the things I believe in. Mm-hmm. He's actually very entertaining. It's it, there's no denying that he's not an Absolutely. entertaining human being. Like it, against your will or not, like he's he's a captivating person to listen talk to. Whether it's if you don't like him or if you like him, he just is. He has that ability to him, and it's a shame that I can't enjoy him for like the buffoon that he is because I know that all the things he's doing are upsetting and hurting so many people that mean something to me. That's yeah. my big struggle that and, I have with him. And I'm, I I know the struggle that yeah. you're, you're up against. I have it, too. But I can't help it when I read some tweet, and I do laugh sometimes. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> terrible, very sad. I'm like, that's I'm like, you're the worst. Man. Yeah, that was good. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and last but not least, if you could stay one age forever, what would it be and why? Uh, you know, I think it would be 33. 33? Yeah, I, I would never go back and do my 20s again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd give it up on that idea. Yeah, I don't know if I yeah, can do my 20s no. again. I look back at my 20s, and I'm like, wow, I thought I was really smart. And I wasn't so smart then. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, in your 20s, you <laughs> just think you're smart. <laughs> yeah. And then in, you know, in my 40s, uh, 40s were good. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I was going to all right. Yeah, 33 is my lucky number. Nice. Uh, you know, and uh, 33 was a great year. Uh, and the year that I um, you know was moving to New York City. Nice. So, 
I think 26 was my my big moving year, but I'm getting ready. I'm 32 now. 33 is coming up. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm enjoying 30s so far. Good. Except for my back, which is fun. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, give me one book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, <laughs> listening to, or watching. <laughs> oh, again, yeah, uh, you know, this is my my need to be entertained when I watch television. I love it. Uh, trial and error <laughs> you, on NBC. Someone says it's hilarious. Oh I, my god! I haven't watched the staircase yet, so I feel like I should watch that first. Watch right? it from the beginning. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, they have the first. Se- this is the second season, mm-hmm. you know, and um, uh, it was uh, John Lithgow was the, mm-hmm. was in the. Underrated. The, I love John Lithgow. Uh, and it was hilarious the first season, yeah. and I, at first I watched the first episode. I'm like, this is kind of bizarre. Second, it, dra- it brought me in. Uh, then I couldn't miss it. I I watched. The same episode over and over again, <laughs> just because I missed so much yeah, yeah. that they, you know, the I mean, I think the writing's broken. Is it on Hulu or are you watching it on Netflix? Uh, I, I, I DVR it. You so DVR, I okay. see it on yeah, my DVR. Yeah. I was last night, I, nice. I watched one episode twice and I watched mm-hmm. another episode again mm-hmm. uh, because I just sit there and I laugh hysterically. Mm-hmm. And Kristen Chenoweth is on it this year, who mm-hmm. I love, uh, a Broadway icon, and she's phenomenal. I want to say that she was in the one, she was on Broadway the last time I saw a live Broadway. Was she in the play Nine when Antonio Banderas did it? Yeah, I don't know. I'd for have sure. to look back. I want to say it was either her or um, the girl who was from 30 Rock, whose name I always confuse, the the, the blonde girl from 30 Rock. I, God, it's going to annoy me later. I'll think about it later. I'll talk oh, about it. Um, um, Jane Krakowski? Jane Krakowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not mm. sure who was I don't it. know for sure. One of the other, it was either one or the other. And I remember thinking, like, oh, they're, I know that person. That's a famous person. They're standing next to Antonio Banderas. Who, <laughs> yeah. uh, Derek, again, people can follow you personally at Clark33Clark on Twitter, but they can also just go to BroadwayUtica.com for Absolutely. all the info on upcoming shows. September 25th and 26th, Hello, Dolly, fresh from Broadway. Amazing that you guys got it brought in. It's I'm very happy wow. that you guys got to be able to finish I, this up. I hope Utica really understands the magnitude of this show. I mean, this this everybody keeps asking me. The big question right now is, um, you know, what are you going to do to top this? Last year they asked me, what are you going to do to top Love Never Dies? How are yeah. you going to do that? And I was like, you know what? Eventually at some point I can't. Mm. Uh, and I'm preparing myself for that moment. But... Um, Hello, Dolly uh, is a gift. It's a gift to Utica, and I hope everyone really appreciates it. I don't know if this is a question I can ask or if you can even answer. Are there, like, shows that you have no interest in bringing in? Has there ever been, like, a Broadway, like, a show you've seen, you're like, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> nah, I'm all right. I don't need uh, Yes, there is. And, yeah, and, uh, you know, it, it happens. And then, you know, I have to sit back and take my <laughs> own personal emotions out of out it. Out of the side of it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, first gut instinct, I'm like, ugh. And then, uh, then I think about it. I'm like, okay, w- w- is it right for the Mohawk Valley? Is it right sure. for central New York? Uh, how far can I draw? Uh, you know, and, and then it becomes a mathematical formula from that point on, and it's just business. I've seen a couple Broadway shows. I won't tell you. I saw one that I did not like and a bunch I did like. I'll share that with you after we get off the air. Uh, but Derek, again, I want to thank you so much for coming uh, in. I really you, appreciate Sam. it. Always a thank pleasure. You. Thank you for the My spam. Pleasure. Best of luck going forward. <laughs> I appreciate it. And we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Child is doing in daycare. Yeah. This is some like dark 
like next level black mirror like stuff, right? Like it's just, it's weird, right? Like I get like if he's napping, if he goes to the bathroom, whatever he's just eating. Wait this, just wait until the shit manifests when all these kids are like fifteen and twenty. All oh my god! Now. Oh my god! <laughs> I know we're laughing, but remember I said this. Welcome, welcome back, folks. Thanks again. <laughs> Uh, Derek Clark, uh, again, check it out. Hello, Dolly. I actually didn't know the podcast. So. Oh, no, we're back. No, we're back. No, we're definitely back. Uh, we're back. Uh, Derek Clark, thanks again for joining us. Always a pleasure. Uh, again, great conversation with him. September 25th, 26th, Hello, Dolly. All sorts of stuff coming up. Utica, or BroadwayUtica.com. All right. Uh, history lessons this week is uh, kind of a mixed bag of stuff that we're going to run through. So I got a couple music ones, and then I got some... Uh, we, you know, I'll just get into it. It's fine. Yeah. All right, on this day, 1920, uh, four owners of four professional football teams uh, joined together to start the American Professional Football Conference, which would become the forebearer of the NFL. Uh, the owners of the four teams, uh, the Dayton Triangles, the Akron Pros, the Canton Bulldogs, and the Cleveland Indians uh, joined together to discuss uh, the potential of a new league. Uh, they eventually started in September of that year, and that was the precursor to the NFL we know today. I think the NFL is coming back in like two weeks. I've seen a lot more oh, people. You, I didn't watch. Oh, I think that they might be doing another season this year. <laughs> They're doing another I'm season not this sure. year. Yeah, okay. I'm, not sure. I'm sure if it got canceled. You're wearing a Buffalo Bills t-shirt. This is not a Buffalo Bills t-shirt. Everyone's it's got the saying. Buffalo Bills logo. It says Strike Gently. Strike Gently was a website from the 90s. I too remember Strike Gently. And that's where I got the shirt. From the 90s. From the 2000s? Yeah, like 2012. Sure. Yeah, sure. I like Last it. year. <laughs> the 90s. The bills are from the 90s. I didn't even know. have websites in the 90s. I know. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are throwing Bill stuff at me now because they know that I'm a Bills fan. But I have yet to like watch any of the things. So they're like, oh, did you watch that preseason game? I'm like, no. <laughs> Is it was it a real game? <laughs> no. All right. Uh, on this day, 1959, Hawaii became the 50th state. Uh, originally, the first settlers of Hawaii were Polynesian settlers, but by the 18th century, American traders were already coming to exploit the precious sandalwood that was very uh, that was very valuable in China. Uh, that's it. I don't have much else about Hawaii. We watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which last week was oh, just about my biggest movie. connection to Hawaii movie. that I have. I feel like I'd like to go to Hawaii. I feel like it just seems like a it's. It's so far. It's so far away in really terms of like away. logistics, yeah. right? Really far away. There's no so way to really be close to even even if you live in California, it's mm-hmm. far away. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's uh it's out there. My cousins, uh, my cousin's wife's mother is from Hawaii, so they've got like family. She's got family out there, so they get to go and like have a place to stay. Oh, that's so I think cool. they did a honeymoon out there, so like they've mm-hmm. got a reason to go visit. Yeah. that's a nice setup. Yeah. yeah, knowing somebody out there is always a lot easier than just like going to cold call some city and just be like, I'm here, Hawaii. Yeah. Show me your wonders. <laughs> <laughs> trying, to, trying to get up on that luau life, that luau style E. Uh, all right. On this day, 1987, the classic film Dirty Dancing opened. It made $64 million, which at that time would have been considered a hit, and of course made Patrick Swayze an international star. Uh, it went on to a sequel in 20, uh, 2004 called uh, Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, which took place in Cuba. Uh, would you guys say that this is the best Patrick Swayze movie? There's like five movies I would say to consider on the list that he's known for. I loved Roadhouse. Roadhouse, right? Okay, <laughs> Roadhouse. That was the other one. There's five, right? It's the, the one that he has on here were Red Dawn, Dirty Dancing, Roadhouse, Ghost, Point oh, Break. Oh. Those were the five Point that were... Break. Yeah, it's, Those are all good. 
I feel like once I said Point Break, I'm going to have a hard time not thinking of Point Break. Yeah, Point Break's, Point Break's the best. Point Break one. is actually the only movie on that list that I've ever actually sat down and watched. Okay. Oh, you I've seen down? pieces of the others, incidentally, on like TBS <laughs> on like a Sunday afternoon. Ghost on her Ghost, yeah. all I, to be honest, all I really know about Ghost is Whoopi Goldberg and then the, the pottery thing. Oh, right? Yeah. Like I remember it being a really scene. big thing when, I, when we were like young because it was a huge movie when it was out and I didn't really get it. Like things was in the like, culture would like, make references, but I was too young. All right, maybe I'm naive. Okay, the was it a big deal because like the Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, like Clay scene was sexy? Was that what it was? Was it like a, I think the Clay scene was supposed to be sexy? Sec- is that like okay? Was somebody nude or who? Some, I don't think was so. weird. There we'll was something weird about the movie Ghost when we were kids. Yeah, my mom didn't want me to. Know. Yeah, it's because like of the pottery scene. It's like <laughs> the pottery really, scene. Yeah, it's the only one that's bad. Um. I love Roadhouse. It's not objectively too. a it's better not, movie. No, it's not even a really good movie. I just like it. Yeah. I mostly know Roadhouse from the Family Guy jokes, where he just says Roadhouse. Yeah. I'm trying to see if there's any other movies on here on his list that I feel like I'm missing. Uh, to Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. I don't know if I remember that one. Ooh, Black Dog, 98. Remember that one? That was no. him. In, no, I never heard of it. No, that's a crummy movie. He was in Donnie Darko? Yeah, he was, was the, the uh, no, he was the, the scumbag child molester preacher dude. Where they burn the house down. Oh. And the last movie he did was 2009's film uh, Powder Blue. I didn't know he was dead. He oh, died. yeah, he's yeah. been dead. I didn't know that. He's heavily yeah. dead. I was going to say, where has he been? Uh, well, now I know. Uh, okay, all right. Patrick Swayze, what a shame. And then, um, I, I mean that totally oh, seriously. No, I did. I mean that seriously. Because him and Kurt Russell just sort of like cross over a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I love Kurt Russell. Yeah. I know he's alive. Even like when you said Point Break, I'm like, oh, that was Swayze, not Russell. Even after like all the talk. And yeah. stuff, Is it the hair? Swayze. The hair, the face, the whole demeanor, everything yeah. about it. It's similar enough. All right. Uh, so I also did very quickly, we're just going to run through the top songs on this day. And this day, 1988, number one song in America. Roll With It by Steve Winwood. I don't know this song. I know Steve Winwood. I know yeah, Steve Winwood, right? So, like, that's yeah. sort of my connection to Maybe it. Maybe you know it if you heard it. Probably. Maybe it's some song you're like, oh, that's what this oh, song yeah. is? I do love blue-eyed soul music. And Steve Winwood's right up my alley, so... Yeah. Um, I know the Oasis song, Roll With It. It's yes, a good song. Which is what I was hoping it was. It's not, unfortunately. Uh, on this day, 1998, number one song in America. We've actually talked about this before. It's... For, it's the same as the last time we talked about this 1998 one. It was a duet with two female singers. The Boy Is Mine by Brandy oh, yeah. Monica. Yes, that's right. So I was curious about this. That's this, the longest any song has ever been at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts is 16 Weeks. Okay? That was the song One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. There was another song that tied it last year. Came this tie. Yeah. I no idea. You you do know what it is. You just is don't. Espedito. Yes, Despacito. Yes, that's right. The boy is mine by Brandy and Monica was actually number one for thirteen weeks oh in nineteen ninety eight, which is very impressive. It's uh, only only one other song has ever done that. It's End of the Road by Boys to Men. There's a couple songs that are tied with fourteen as well. So, I think, again, they're all what you think they are. Mariah Carey, Elton John, uh, Black Eyed Peas. I got a feeling that was a big one. I love that song. I did not, unfortunately. Uh, and 2008, number one song in America, I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry, which I guess was like her coming out party, right? It was the first song she her had. Her first major like track. Yeah. I, I kind of like Katy Perry. I was on her side in the Katy Perry versus Taylor Swift rivalry. Mm. It's a shame that her last album was not very good and didn't have any bangers. No, she's done. Is she done? You think she's, yeah, done? she's done? That's why she's an idol. American she's idol done. Girl. She's... 
is she done in the way that like Gwen Stefani's done, where she's just still making money all the time and on TV no. and people know who she is? No, Gwen Stefani's she's much, she's level. much more done than Gwen Stefani has done. Okay. Yeah. No, she's she she never really had the um. She may have like made more money off her singles, but she never necessarily had the cultural cachet that Gwen Stefani has. That's fair. No, that's fair. Yeah, because Gwen Stefani had a career beforehand, right? Uh, all right. And let me ask you this one. 2018, do you guys know what the number one song in America is right now? Number one song in America right now. Like Ariana Grande or whatever. No, it's a male artist, but again, solo type male artist, so you're in the same kind of wheelhouse. Mm. Popular solo male artists. I have no idea, like Drake or something. Yeah, there you go, it's Drake. (laughs) It's all ever here is, look at me go. In My Feeling by Drake is the number one song in America. I was just going to say, is his run over? I feel like my students are already kind of like, we don't care about Drake anymore. And like, if the 13 to 14 year old kids tell me that they don't like Drake, I feel like that's probably the end. For right? For a guy like him? It's not the end, but it's the end of a a period for sure. I think he has seen his highest highs. Who has a better five-year projection from right now? Taylor Swift or Drake? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. She's still on top of the world right now, and she just keeps going. I feel like she's kind of on a little bit of a downturn here lately. Yeah, that last album was a problem. I'll say Drake. You say Drake? I feel like she has a longer... She sells... I feel like she has a longer parachute down to a little... Even if she's not... This album wasn't as popular or as universally beloved as the last one. She'll come... She has... She'll keep putting out albums for the or fans. she other things. She's acting. Who knows? She so has such a following of young girls. I feel like Drake could very easily turn into corny very quickly. Yeah. I think yeah, that... Yeah, like, yep. That's true. Well, he's he he operates in, in a realm of the music industry where he will be penalized for his corniness, whereas Taylor Swift is unrepentantly corny. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the point. And so she can get cornier and cornier and people still buy it, whereas a guy like Drake will eventually, you know, in hip-hop it's different. And once you get corny, it's tough to stay, you know, relevant. And it's all about, you know, youth and things like that. I mean, what the youth is into now, which I've been reading on the internet, is face tattoos. I don't know if you've seen this. I've seen them all over the youth. Dude, it's... All the rappers have them. All the, yeah, all all these these mumblecore rappers and, like, these SoundCloud rappers, like Post Malone. All the kids with AM screen names for rap names. It's funny, I've started to see a lot of articles. There's two different articles I found this week. One was on The Independent. I saw a couple of them on Reddit about, like, how face tattoos are going mainstream, right? And it's weird. As a guy who has tattoo work, like, not a lot of tattoo work, but I have enough. Um, You know, I can't imagine where I would have to be, like, financially or in a success level where I'm like, yep, face tattoo. Even if I had the money, I I don't want it. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie to you. If I were, like, an upper-level, like, basketball player, soccer player, like, where I'm making tons and tons of money, I could probably be talked into getting a neck tattoo. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's an entirely different ballgame from a face tattoo. Yeah, neck's Entirely different. You can cover a neck still. Neck tattoos are old news. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. With a face tattoo, it's like... It's not what you think it is, too, because, like, I, you look at a face tattoo from, like, you think of Mike Tyson's face tattoo. Like he has, no, like, no, a tribal no. tattoo that covers half his face. No, you're face. thinking of the little stuff yeah. that all the kids are getting. What the little kids no, have no. is, like, they'll have, like, a word, like, yo, stay woke under their eyes. and like, wait till they regret that. <laughs> I mean, my mom probably said the same thing when I got my tattoos, but at least my mom was, like, don't get tattoos on, your face. on your face, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Well, up until, like, the last five years ago, like, most people, even tattoo artists, use the term, like, job killer as a face tattoo you do come yeah. in like you're done 
And I would say, even now, I don't think a lot of jobs are super psyched about you coming in with even, like, a little star tattooed under your no. eye or, like, some... No, you know, they no, no. They're, they're not even close. Anybody pretending to say that they are is lying. I mean, mm. unless you want to go work at... Unless you're working at, like, a coffee stand or a bar, yeah, mm. yeah then maybe people will yeah. care a little bit less about it on your face. But, like, to make any kind of argument that you can walk into an office with a face tattoo and you're not mm. going to get judged for it is yeah. a ridiculous lie just made to push content. And I think, furthermore, a lot of people will say they're like, oh, well, you know, face content, you know, that's going to prevent you from getting jobs in the future and this and that. I would argue that the type of person who has the mentality and the mindset to go and get a face tattoo probably isn't the type of person who's then going to go try to work at a law office. I don't think there's a lot of overlap in those groups in the first place. I don't think the face tattoos keep them out of the job. So, for like a guy like these like young rappers, these Takashi 6ix9ine, Post Malone mm-hmm. rappers with the, the tattoos all over their face, right? These dudes feel like they've made it already because they're super successful right now, right? Yes. So, that's the validation for them. It's like, well, I'm already, oh, wow, you're blowing up on I the... Is your, I turn my ringer off. And oh, is it a robocall from Binghamton? It is. Oh, it's a robocall. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I think with the face tattoo thing, though, like, they think that, like, I'm already successful. I could do this now because I'm always going to be successful. But these dudes are mad young, right? Like, <laughs> Well, but you also, I mean, you have to, you know. You you'll always at, be a celebrity? No, no. And not even, and furthermore from that, you know, you have to look at the, the culture, you know, behind this specific style of hip-hop that's come to the forefront. Yeah. Where it's all about, you know, like, nihilism and, like, these people don't mm-hmm. really expect to live. Yes, it's like, true. Like, it's all about, I mean, most, you know, most of the popular, you know, that, like, trap sound and the mumblecore style rap and the SoundCloud rappers, all they talk about is depression, wanting to be dead, having anxiety, and Xanax. abusing hardcore yeah. drugs to the point of, like, passing out and dying. Mm-hmm. Like, that one kid died last year and there's going to be more like that. This isn't a culture of people who's thinking about, oh, what's it going to be like when I'm 50? Because they're not talking about living past maybe the end of the year. But what's crazy? But what's crazy is like you go look. A bunch of them will, and then they'll have to figure it out. But if I put on like a Drake song in my classroom, some of the kids would get excited, right? If I put on a Little Pump song, the entire room would be in Little Pump flames. Is infinitely more lit than Drake. <laughs> Even I know that, and I'm an old man. The big difference. Drake's singing like love songs. Little <laughs> Pump singing like hype songs. Uh, I just want to bring you guys in on something that happened to me this week when I was getting ready for this show. This is called Inside the Podcasting Actors Studio, all right? This happens all the time. I'll read a story on Monday, and then by the time we get to the next episode of the podcast, the story has changed so much that it goes from, like, the main story to, like, not even a story that we're going to talk about. So early on this week, I really thought that, like, Trump's $92 million military parade was going to be like our number one talking point story this week and then over the course of the week uh we're like like basically facts came out that like this parade could feed every homeless vet for almost nine months based on like reported costs uh and then within the same week the pentagon said it was postponing trump's parade until 2019 uh and then right after that uh, one of my favorite military people, uh, William uh, McRaven. Have you ever heard of this guy? He's an admiral. Uh, he does an excellent speech for the University of Texas, like a commencement speech. It's on YouTube. It's amazing. Everyone should go watch it. Uh, he requested that his security clearance be revoked uh, following uh, former CIA director John Brennan having his revoked this week. So those are all big stories that I was going to talk about this week, and now I feel like they all kind of 
moved through the news cycle very quickly, which it just did. which just happens all so the time. That's the problem with uh, that's the problem if you start trying to chase the news cycle, like especially if you're gonna do like all presidential news and try to find your story every week for the president. Like for him. it all, it, the, that's the way it is now. Like it just it moves so fast that you can't. Because even if we talk about the story of the day, like the three or four things that have happened literally today. You know what I mean? If we were mm. to talk about those things, by the time this comes out tomorrow, they, you know, somebody right. listens to the show on Thursday, yeah. it's already yeah. gone. That's the problem with trying to chase this political shit when you're doing it once a week. Yep. Yeah, so there you go. There's a little insight for what happens when you're trying to put together um, content for the show. And if you want to know more about podcasting or learn a little bit about what my process is like, I'm going to be appearing on someone else's podcast this oh, week yeah. as the oh, interview piece. Girl. That's right, right, yeah. On the Breaking Bread pod with Mike and Tom. So if you want to hear me on there, I'll be on there this week because it was crossover week last week with them. Crossover week this week for me. Wow. Changing it up. Big times. Are you excited to go in for the interview? Tell your story? Finally be heard? Are you guys mad that you're not coming? Is that what you're implying? Not, not even remotely. She's giving, no. no. giving me some looks here. I don't no, you like do. it. We, we like not looking going. at you at all. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't looking at you, dude. I'm looking past you. This is your time. This is your time to shine. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's not like you guys don't hear me talk about myself enough. Uh, all right. And I guess we don't really need to get too much into it, but did you guys read the biggest story of the week, which is uh, the group of archaeologists who discovered a 3,300-year-old cheese in the tomb of Thomas, like, the former mayor of Memphis in Egypt. Is it like a blue cheese or something? It, look at it, it's huge. There's a picture of it for some bad radio. It's this big, giant log of 3,000-year-old preserved cheese. You biting that cheese? Uh, apparently. You. You personally. No. You no, biting no, no. that cheese? I would have, had I not read the article. Uh, but uh, the cheese is laced with a potentially deadly form of bacteria at this point in time because huh. of all the years of of being in there. Uh, it's like anything else, right? It's like wine. It's like, oh, it's aged so forever, 3,000 years. No, at this point in time, it's probably aged to where it'll like cut through your internals. Like, the only thing that really lasts is honey. Yeah, honey's the only thing that can... Honey. Yeah, yeah you can pull honey out of the Pharaoh's tomb and put it on your... On your, your... Yeah. Grits. What they, they did, they found honey. What is it about hot sauce? Why does is it vinegar? Sauce. Hot sauce doesn't last forever. Hot sauce just lasts a lot okay. longer than a lot of other things. Yeah, because it's yeah. all just it's, it's all like the vinegar and pepper. Yeah, it's like pickles. A lot of stuff. The mm. vinegar content makes it not really go. It acts okay. as a natural preservative. Hmm. Yeah. Same reason like those jars of pickled stuff can sit next to that window you for two years. You think they're excited? They found like a big brick of cheese. Yeah, I mean it's impressive. Look at this. It's huge. Look at the size of it. It's massive. Right. I'd, I'd probably still take a bite. Take a oh, listen. Oh, we'll die. Uh, hey, listen. Worst way to go. We How'd don't. you die? Ate the world's oldest cheese. It's got a mature. And uh, I just happened to see a really interesting BuzzFeed list this week, which is very rare for me, but I thought it was cool, and it's about swear words. So uh, I would say for the last couple minutes of this show, I guess not safe for work. I'll try not to hit up all tons and tons of curse words here. I'm doing nothing but cursing from here on out. Okay. Turn it off if you don't like it. Number one, did you know that it is illegal to swear in public in Virginia? It is considered a class four misdemeanor. Mm. I don't know. Uh, if you go back to the Byzantine Empire in the 6th century, you could get the death penalty for using oh, yeah. bad language. Uh, and penalties for blasphemy got more severe the more times you were caught. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> the word rooster was invented when the word cock started to become slang for male genitalia. That was not... I did so not know rooster that. wasn't is actually the Puritan so the alternative the to the cock uh, in the 1700s. So there mm. you go. The uh, fart date backs to, dates back to 1250, 
making it one of the oldest obscene words in the English language. Is fart an obscene word? I mean, at the time it probably was. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it predates the word buttocks by 50 years, so think about that. <laughs> um, automated, some automated answering mess- machines for when you call for, like, businesses are programmed so that if you swear at them, they will transfer you straight to an operator because they try to measure your annoyance levels. So next time you're on there for a while, just start dropping a couple uh, F-bombs, see if you get on through. What is the most popular swear word used on Facebook, guys? Shit. Yes, that's correct. Shit, the number one most popular swear word. Uh, fuck damn bitch and crap. Round out the top five. <laughs> Let's see your top five. Uh, in a study with college students, uh, students were submerged. Were told to submerge their hands in glasses of ice water. Okay, some students were given a neutral word to say, while others were given an expletive word. The students who were allowed to swear kept their hands in the water for an average of 40 seconds longer, thus validating the fact that swearing relieves pain. So if you're in a lot of pain, just swear. Make you feel a little better. <laughs> Some questions about the methodology of this study. <laughs> Children learn swear words as early as one or two years old. Ask my mom. My first words were, oh, shit, it's a real story. Said, oh, yep, shit, a yep. lot. <laughs> I dropped juice. And this is maybe my favorite thing I read on here. IBM has an uh, AI robot called Watson. You ever see the commercials that talk about it? It's like an automated Mm. computer that like they put on Jeopardy sometimes, right? They fed the AI robot the entire Urban Dictionary to help it understand slang, okay? That's a mistake. (laughs) As a result, the robot became so profane, the scientists had to (laughs) wipe Watson's memory. Uh Uh-huh, poor Watson. Uh, using your middle finger dates back to ancient Greece to the uh, play The Clouds by uh, Aristophanes. Er- I- I'm sure I was going to screw. I thought I had that right. Aristophanes is how I meant to say that. I knew I was going to get it wrong the first time. All right. 419 BC. Anyway. Yeah, all right. All right. And contrary to popular belief, there is no correlation, according to Yale scientists, between swearing and showing how intelligent you are. Has no correlation between intelligence yeah. And foul. it's true because a lot of like uh, smart people I know are very foul mouthed. I feel like, but there's I can't imagine it has anything. There's no connection to that. Mm. Uh, do you guys have a favorite curse word that you can say here on the show? I say shit all the time. I say shit a lot. I say bastard a lot more as I get older because I feel like bastard is kind of a, a soft swear word for the for the masses. You can say bastard. Bastard is definitely a weird old man. Yeah, it's curse. An old bastard. man. Yeah, you're turning old. Turning into old man. Turning Am old man. man. Uh, I know, I just got buttocks. That's my new... <laughs> yeah, fart. That's my favorite fart. curse word. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to run around saying fart now. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, oh, there's one more. Uh, here's here's your trivia question for the day. You know those series of symbols that they use to, like, replace swear words in, like, oh, a yeah. comic book or something? Do you know what those are called? What that's called? A Grawlix. G-R-A-W-L-I-X. It was uh, coined by Mort Walker, who created the Beetle Bailey comic. So if you ever see that, it's called a Grawlix, the symbols that stand for obscene language. All right. I guess that's it. We don't have to do much more. You guys feel good about today? Feeling good. Feeling good about a Monday? Feeling good about a Monday. Why don't you tell the truth and just say Liverpool started 15 minutes I, ago and you're dying. Oh, that's what we're rushing <laughs> out here. I mean, no, we're not rushing. Hey, listen, it's no. been, this is a 23-minute segment. We have a long interview. I've already gone 17 minutes 
past the start of the Liverpool game. Listen, we've gone two full <laughs> we've gone two full weeks on this show. Two full weeks on this show with Premier League that I haven't mentioned it during the course of the actual show until you guys have foisted it on me here at the end. Foisted. So yeah, foisted. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. I am gonna go watch the Liverpool game. Uh, thanks for joining us again this week, folks. Thanks to Derek Clark, Broadway Theater League. Uh, check me out on Breaking Bad with Breaking Bread with Mike and Tom this week. Uh, follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me, SF Doom. Follow the show at Uticast. Uh, MadeInUtica.com for all uh, curtain back episodes. Uticast.com, SoundCloud, Android. We're taking over the web. Guys, Handshake City. Yeah. Downtown Utica. Downtown, downtown get, get down, down this weekend. Um, shout out to Nicole and Devin. Congratulations yeah. on your beautiful yeah. wedding. Shout out. Shout out to Webb and Espo. Also had a great wedding. Two great people. Southside um, Web. So great Twitter follow. Follow Southside Web if you're into it because he's excellent. Um, congratulations to everybody. Great job. It's wedding season. Great job this weekend, everybody. Wedding season's like over. Is it over? Is that the no. end of wedding season? It's not over, but you couldn't say we're getting into wedding season at the end of August. Podcast season. You'd just be lying up. if you didn't say that June was the peak. Podcast season. Heating up. Statistics. Downtown get down this weekend, I'll folks. Making you to go. I got it. Keep it tight. Keep it tight. <laughs>